Hey, everybody, you're listening to NC Shop Talk, brought to you by NC Carpet Binding. I'm your host, Mal Mayer. If you want to learn from some of the most innovative people in the industry and laugh a ton, then this show is for you. So let's get started. Our next guest goes beyond being an integral part of the rug cleaning industry. He's a vendor to the industry, a lover of everything rugs, a confidant for rug cleaning facilities worldwide, an industry event organizer, event supporter, and literally impacts the way rug cleaning and rug restoration facilities conduct their business. Tom Monahan, owner of Centrum Force, is the industry-leading manufacturer for heavy-duty rug cleaning and washing equipment. In addition to his Centrum Force brand, Tom's also the owner of More Time Saving Equipment, and we're going to learn a little bit about his newest venture with Ergen Machinery. NC Shop Talk welcomes in industry staple, Tom Monahan. Welcome to the podcast, Tom. Well, thank you for that introduction. It was a little bit over the top for me. It's all true. So <laughs> someone has to hear it. See, a lot of our listeners, like we talked about, most of my listeners are audio, you know, carpet installer guys. I don't, you know, I'm sure we have some guys in the run cleaning industry that are dialed in, but um, you're literally our third only carpet related guest we've had. And the first with the, um, and rightfully so with the, uh, you know, rug cleaning niche. So I'm very grateful that you decided to come on with us. I, I appreciate that. Well, thank you very much for the invite. Thanks, Tom. All right. I'm going to lay it on the line early. In my experience with you over the years, we've got along well, helped each other whenever we could. And I so badly wanted to say all these great things about you moving forward after the intro. And then I talked to Randy Hyde and it just went south from there. Yeah. Well, there you go. That sums it all up. <laughs> he made me say it, Tom. He was, I thought it was a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, Randy spoke volumes about you, of course. And specifically, here's what he had to say. I wanted to start out with what other people think of you. And I called on three people and I didn't need to call anybody else. I got everything I needed right away, glowing reviews. And I really didn't know you know, the relationships you had with any of, uh, of them. Randy Hyde, owner-operator of Renaissance Rug in Portland, Oregon, had this to say about Tom. I've had a Centrum Force tumble duster for almost a decade. As a smaller shop, the cost scared us, but it has be been a great addition for us. Tom's always stood behind his equipment with me, and I've heard that about him from everyone. I know countless end users that pay up for Tom's equipment because of the quality, uh, to me, that's high praise from a guy who has high standards. Um, you know, what do you think about Rand what Randy had to say? Well, he's highly intelligent. He's brilliant. He's got a sharp tongue, but he can also be articulate. Yes. <laughs> I think that's why Randy and I have always gotten along. And in turn, he, you know, he met my father at one of, um, I don't know if it was an ARCS event. I think it was your first um, rug summit and him and my dad got along royally. It was probably a scary conversation between the two of them. I bet neither pulls punches. So, you know, based on what he said specifically, your equipment, especially, you know, the central forest brand, um, you know, it could be pricey, but even for a small plant, explain to us why you think your equipment would be a good fit, even for a smaller plant. Well, first of all, we just don't offer one thing. So when we started Centrum Force back in 
2007, coming out of the win winter of 2006, there was one thing. There was the uh, horizontal centrifuge, uh, followed closely by a push-pull rug duster that there were already those existing in the world, but we just changed them a bit make, to make them more ergonomic. Uh, the economics of it were considered, but the price is what it is. The cost of putting it together, the components, and then marketing it here in the U.S., but as time went on, we we have dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of pieces of the puzzle that would help any rug plant from an entry level to a multi-million dollar rug plant. So to answer that question, it has to be a little bit more defined or refined. So yeah. we have something for everyone, in other words. What I, I liked from the layman's brain, just, you know, what I really picked up on what Randy said, and it was the biggest point of emphasis for me. And, and what I got, what I took out of everything he said about you, all the good stuff is he's a guy who loves to do things by hand. He'd rather be in a watch tub than he would be on a phone with, with, you know, with clients or doing business thing. He just loves the hands-on and he's a small shop. So those two things combined, a guy who loves hands-on and is a smaller volume shop than say, you know, a Woodard's or someone like that. And he still has extracted great value from employing your equipment. So I thought that was kind of a good testimonial from a smaller shop. Don't be shy about considering, you know, some automation, so to speak. Well, and let's talk about the small shop, uh, the boutique cleaner that might be cleaning one, two, five, ten rugs a week. Yeah, you can do things uh, with a lot of hands-on work. You can wash in your bathtub. You can hang rugs to dry on your railing on your balcony. Uh, you can do all that. And you could do a good job. But when it comes time to scaling up, uh, that that becomes problematic, right? So mm -hmm. you move into your garage and you got to move your car out of your garage and rearrange the boxes that you have stored in there to clean a couple of rugs. Well, you can do a good job. But that becomes problematic because it may be a, your labor uh, to move everything out, to reset everything after you're done, doesn't justify the existence of you washing a rug, albeit you might love it anyways. Right. So the point is the mechanizing or getting equipment helps one to scale. Hmm. And especially in our environment today, if you're a production facility and you can't find employees, then it becomes really important to evaluate what piece of equipment can be employed to compensate for that employee that you can't find to do that task that is a low skill set task to begin with. Right. And dusting is one example. Exactly. That's, yeah. you know, blood and guts, you know, versus throwing it in the machine and letting it do probably what, 70, 80% of the work? Well, dry soil removal. Uh, yeah. And that's kind of mindless, if I can put it that way, not mm -hmm. to diminish anybody that has that job in a rug plant, but you can mechanize that part. You yes. want the heart and soul and the eyeballs on uh, the actual visual part of rug washing that becomes important. Exactly. Which make, that makes complete sense. Now let's dive into the backstory on Centrum Force and, you know, really the early stages of how you got this off the ground. Uh, you know, what was your thought process? How did it start to take shape in your mind? And, you know, what was the impetus for it? Well, part of it was lunacy. And I'll explain that. Um, I started 
professionally carpet cleaning back in 1977. And so I was in the trenches. I was in the truck. I was cleaning carpets commercially, residentially. Then they quickly moved into furniture cleaning, which were finer textiles to clean. So I had to be, uh, raise the uh, skill set up for that. And then walking on rugs uh, became... Um, we became more aware that hey, we're leaving money on the on the floor, so we moved into rug uh, cleaning. Mm-hmm. But rug washing didn't come more seriously in a more committed way till decades later. To be honest with you, okay. So uh, it was around the two thousand four five era that I decided to become more committed to rug washing, taking it out of the wash pit to automated fashion in a large building. And the lunacy entered at that point when the commitment was made for tens and tens of thousands of dollars and the automated equipment like a more machine that I acquired and mm-hmm. a rug hanging system and, and innovating and developing my own duster because I couldn't find one that uh, was going to work in an automated fashion. And then to have it all come down, crashing down because the market didn't justify Economy. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bubble in the real estate world, The um, a lot of my uh, clientele happen to be senior managers and vice presidents of the automotive world around here in Ann Arbor, who, and that's where I live, Ann Arbor, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pharmaceutical uh, Pfizer, who just poured 200 million dollars into upgrading their R&D facility decided, hey, we're going to take those 6,000 jobs of senior uh, managers and scientists, and we're going to take them back to Boston or relocate them. I mean, those were my clients. So wow. I suffered all that while I was building up the the company. Right. And, and all this, all, having I, your boots on the ground yeah, with your own I, cleaning business. That, right. So you you knew the business, you knew what was involved, and you saw the get and you saw the need for, you know, to make things easier. And I almost went bankrupt trying to retrench and recapture uh, uh, what was quickly uh, I was losing grip on. And so got out of the big twelve thousand square foot building, sold off all the equipment in a couple of years, and went back into a twelve hundred square foot facility and ran my one truck and rug washing all by myself, painstakingly every day Wow! to get wow. out of the mess. You, did, you definitely didn't make a mistake. The, the effort was well worth the end result. Well, because. and that comes to the point of your question. Where did Centrum Force come from? Yes. Well, I'm actually in the wash pit now, not with automated equipment, like I had a more machine. And I'm thinking, this is drudgery, but I got to do it to recover funds that just sifted out of my my fingertips really mm. and um just saying there's got to be a better way and so uh i was uh, at uh experience the experience mm-hmm. in las vegas uh trying to sell off some equipment that i still had trying to make contacts that never even came to fruition but one contact i did make proved to be a uh my eventual partner and starting Centrum Force. And uh, we started making time-saving equipment, first of all, with a centrifuge, then the duster, then a wash tub, and then the rest of the things started to unravel and come into existence. 
Um, my partner, by the way, is no longer with me. He was, I bought out his shares over three years ago. Okay. But um, that was the inception back in 2007. It was born out of a need to bring something to the industry that didn't exist. I was always contemplating it as well, but couldn't bring it to fruition because of the downsizing that I was compelled to make because of the economy. Right. Now, you have an engineer's brain, correct? No, I don't, I don't have an engineer's brain. Not at I, all? No. I've, See, I always thought that you were a very mechanical engineer brain uh, type person. I didn't know that. No, I am not. Wow. Uh, okay. All I, if, if anything that's been gifted to me along the way, it's just concepts. I, I can see a concept. I have spatial relationship, understanding of things, uh, uh, systems. I like, you know, I have a gift for getting systems put in place to make things work, which subsequently helped me sell my cleaning business because it was a turnkey company with systems in place that allowed it to be sold easily. Right. So long story longer, you saw gaps yep. in the industry. Yep. That needed to be essentially be streamlined and equipment that would help people save time, save money, and just make your life a heck of a lot easier. And so what was interesting, because I did have a more machine and got connected to the more company, mm-hmm. I, I learned very quickly that they were going out of business through atrophy. And so I kept the relationship up with Ron Moore, the owner. And so after... Uh, Starting Centrum Force in 2007, by 2012, we bought the Moore Company. Don't say any more because I have questions on that. Okay. And a a story that could be on par with one of the best stories I've had in all my my 22 podcasts that I've recorded. So I don't want to ruin it for everybody. And I also don't want to screw up my questions. But all I want to say... All I want to say is the mantra for more was time-saving. Time-saving equipment. That just fit right in with the way we were doing makes, business. And yeah. it makes complete sense. And more had been around for a million years. So that name mixed with yours was definitely a, a home run. But we'll get into that in a minute. Okay. Um, from what I've been told by many, and from the outside looking in, and in our experience, I never went to them. But based on everyone's told me, bang for your buck, education camaraderie, worthwhile, you know, learning experience overall was your rug summits. When was the last one? And what are the plans for the next one? Last one happened before COVID. Obviously, we didn't do anything since COVID hit. Was it 2018? I believe that's true. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that was at, that was at Robert Mann's place. Mm -hmm. And we, uh, we dovetailed with the ARCS events that same week. I remember that. Denver, Colorado. Any plans for another one, Tom? Push, push? Yeah, I've been thinking about it. boy. All right, good. They need it. The industry needs it. It's not the same. There's no event for the industry that's the same as yours. And it's just a fact. Yeah, they've, they've been well supported. I think uh, when you say learning experience, it's business development networking that brings that group together. Yes. Um, and that's where the beneficial uh, outcome occurs. Yeah, no, for sure. You did an amazing job you did with with that. So um, pushing you a little bit more and prodding you and poking you any, I mean, are we looking at 2022 Rug Summit, maybe towards the end of the year, any potential locations, get everybody excited a little bit? Yeah, I'm actually going to take a trip 
maybe even this month yet, to Puerto Rico, which is a U.S. territory. We have a very good client down there in Puerto Rico, San Juan, that would love to host the Rug Summit. And so uh, might make it a little international flair in the Caribbean. Do you think that would be something that you would support? I'll support the heck out of it. The only problem is the travel and the time going overseas. Um, We right now, I know for us, we have a no overseas policy anywhere. Yeah. Just the way everything's uneasy, but I think that would be incredible. I mean, in Puerto Rico is US based, so that's great. I can make it to Puerto Rico just about as fast as I can make it to California. That's a fair point too. (laughs) That's a fair point too. Uh, I'd prefer something a little closer, but I, I you get wanna, it. You maybe New York, it's a, Pennsylvania. I, it's exciting. <laughs> New Jersey. I, I'll, 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 I'll reserve, you know, the way we'd want it to happen for a different time. But no, okay. that would that would be incredible. I think people. I think it will be well received. Um, would it be well attended? For your sake, I'm not sure. You know, out of the country, but uh, you know, if anyone can set a trend and do something different and better, it's you. You know, but you know how I feel about you. I, I know you're very humble and quiet. And a lot of times when we talk, I do a lot of the talking and, and bragging on you. But uh, all right, let's go to the next one. I spoke with another industry professional who you might know, former ARCS president and owner of Aladdin Rug Cleaning in San Antonio, Texas. Meg Walker had this to say about you. We have both Centrum Force and more equipment, the rinse ringer, centrifuge, tumble duster, flatbed duster, drying room. Tom is an integral and absolute industry force. He's truly one of the main conduits of making the industry go. Really an advocate for us all and just knows his stuff. Tom's equipment has saved our company a ton of money and time. Specifically, our water bill alone has been cut in half since we brought in Tom's machinery. I kept pushing Meg for more. And that last little tidbit I thought was was interesting um, obviously she spoke volumes about you, but that water saving, you know, just cost alone is tremendous, not, not to mention environmentally, but can you speak to the water saving? Oh yeah. That's, that's a well-known fact. And, and you know, what's surprising about that, those on the, on the surface, you wouldn't think so because rug washing requires a lot of water. Um, right. but I had a client, his name is Keith Beardsley. And he was out in the Northeast, in one of the states out there. And um, he had the option to buy either a centrifuge to save some time or a wash tub. That's the 1,200-gallon paddle wheel wash tub. Mm -hmm. And Keith was a scientific sort of guy. So he did this analysis on how much water is going to go in the wash tub, how many rugs I can wash in that wash tub, versus washing them in, in the pit. They had a curbed pit that he... Uh, washed and he did a, an analysis and he came up with the idea well, I'm going to buy the wash tub first. And I was steering him the other direction because I thought he'd get more bang for his buck for the same amount of money with a centrifuge for what he wanted to do. Well, the, the, the story was revealed at Columbus, Ohio, at a rug summit. He brought his water bills with him and he explained to the group that. The wash tub, in fact, he could keep up production and scale up his production, albeit it had 1,200 gallons of water every time he filled it up. It more than paid 
for his wash tub expense and then gave him a profit. So that in three years, he paid off his wash tub. And then with the savings, he actually bought the centrifuge. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for the punchline on this one. That's great. Yeah. So Um, it's all about how the machines are made and delivering, deploying the water effectively. In the old days, guys would get these big old fire hoses and just let the water run because water was cheap. Mm. And some parts of the country is not that cheap anymore. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And water only makes sense to use in washing when it makes contact with the textile or can hold the soil in suspension. So if you're just throwing water at something and it's going down the drain, that's, in my opinion, stupid. Mm. Now, the wash tubs, or is it a lot of recycled water? No. Is it even possible? You can't clean it, filter it? No. No, it's it's still too expensive to To uh, filter and recycle water. It's still less money just to dump it and fill it up. Yeah, and especially with the volumes of urine that I see coming out of these rugs, it scares me. And the truth is, uh, in some parts of the country, 50% of the rugs that are actually processed in a rug plant are urine contaminated. So it's unreal. I mean, well, I look at all your guys' you got, posts and you got to be grateful for the animals. That's all. That's very, it's a good point. People love their dogs and yeah. they don't, they don't have them very well. Let them not be house, housebroken. It's probably better. <laughs> um, now, getting down to nitty gritty, I don't know if there's numbers. I don't know if there's, uh, I mean, from just basic common sense to me, it's advantageous. But at what point is it most advantageous? to add automation to a plant. Is there such an animal? Am I barking up a difficult tree to, you know, no, question I, to I, ask here? I think a real business person would do that analysis. Um, everyone in the rug care business knows there's four elements to process a rug, four categories. You got a dust a rug, you got to wash it, you got to rinse it, and you got to dry it. Those are the four big elements. But I submit to you, there's probably seven categorical things that you really got to walk that rug through. And I'll just name them. Uh, You got to check in a rug. You got to do that dry soil removal, which we mentioned, which is dusting, Mm -hmm. washing, rinsing, drying. But you need to talk about finishing and grooming, and you need to talk about storing your rugs. Transporting it, yeah. And inventory them until they're ready to be transported or delivering. So there's really like seven things. But the four things, you a business person will start analyzing how much time, how much commitment do I make to those four things? What kind of human resources are required to do those four things? And therein lies where equipment may, in fact, help them scale or replace employment issues of not finding the right people. Makes sense. So going back to Randy Hyde, for example, uh, at current today's cost, a tumble duster will cost his size twenty three thousand three hundred. He didn't pay that because he bought it ten years ago. Still has gone up exponential, really, mm-hmm. by that point, and so has some wages to build it. Everything, yeah. So, but thanks for that reminder. Twenty three thousand three hundred, yeah, is half the cost of a, a typical employee entry level for a whole That's year. Working on the floor, yeah, for a, for a whole year, yeah. So. If if a tumble duster in a production plant saves that time or, in effect, saves that person from being in existence, utilize your human resources for where they need to be targeted. Right. It's not just 
the actual cost savings versus, you know, a typical employee versus the unit. It's the time. If you're doing the work a third faster, 50% faster, you're you're doing you're do you're being more proactive. And guess what? Elsewhere. Mel? It doesn't call in sick. It doesn't That's get it. pregnant. Let's not it doesn't try to lose need jobs vacation here. time. You know, we don't, we don't we don't want to add to the unemployment lines. And I don't <laughs> think anyone would do that. It would just be a better way to allocate your labor to yeah. something else. Yeah. Versus, you know, menial tasks that are, I mean, to me, the duster is the biggest home run. It, throw it in, walk away, come back. And it's, I mean, does the, does the dusting take more than the cleaning? I would think it does. Well, you, you out of a rug, you can take 60, 70, 80% of weight of, right. or dry particulates out before you wash. That's mm. amazing. Yeah. If you don't so do that, you're making mud in the rug. Right. You know? That's also in turn going to use the duster. Here we go. Layman's brain going to save time. I'm already thinking about it. It's going to save not just the labor, not just the time, but you're also going to save on water because it's going to take less to clean it. Yeah. Makes complete sense to me. Or we can go outside and shake it with 12 people and, you know, get 10% of the dust out of it, which is true. No sense. Yeah. So that's um, how you have to think of it. You have to think of it that way. Yeah. See, I'm learning. You're teaching me. Changing gears a little bit. Your company doesn't just do automated equipment or machining and tools. You also offer cleaning agents. What are the products and what makes yours special? Well, we have just four. Okay. And the reason why we have just four is because we feel that those four are target specific that are unmatched in the industry. Now, it doesn't, I'm not saying that there aren't things that are similar. I'm saying these are very specific okay. that are much different. For example, we have a product that has been affectionately called and branded as secret sauce right from day one. That product uh, is utilized when you're washing a rug because it has the ability to, uh, in layman's terms, grab loose dyes that are releasing out of a rug and hold them in suspension bond them in the water and rinse them away so they don't redeposit on the rug. Wow. That's help that's helpful uh to those especially starting out in the rug washing world, those who are using a wash tub or a contained water pit circumstance, you're able to do multiple things uh by just having that product uh, there and taking some of the fear away from what you're doing. Cuz okay. when a rug gets bleeding or um, dye migration gets moving. You got to expect that to happen if you're a committed rug washer, but you got to manage the experience. That's where the professional comes in. Gotcha. That That's one product. Second product that uh, one of my favorite is called Fringe Plus, originally blended and designed to get soil and grease out of the fringe of rugs, cotton fringes. But the, the degree of difficulty was in these pineapple knots of a Chinese rug Mm -hmm. because people would get in there and brush them out with various uh, uh, types of chemistry, and it would fray the cotton in the process of trying to get the dirt out. Fringe Plus uh, penetrates, gets down deep inside, rinses out real easy, leaves a nice hand and feel. Well, the Plus came in when we found out that as we were working on the fringe, we'd get accidentally hit the pile. Man, it made a nice job of cleaning the pile. Well, okay. we, we experimented it on rayon rugs, silk rugs, 
wool, cotton, uh, of course, nylon and acrylic. Found it did a fantastic job on liquefying into a shampoo and just do the whole rug with it. Wow. So French Plus has been a big hit among big rug plants. I get it in 55-gallon barrels. Wow. It's a gel as it starts out, but you can liquefy it to make it a shampoo or keep it as a gel and keep it target-specific to where you're working. Got it. The other pro- two products are in the same family. They're uh, uh, botanicals. They're wool safe approved and certified by the uh, wool safe over there in England. And while that's important to some people, the bigger punch for this target specific product called knockout, which is a laundry detergent product for washing rugs and U-turn, which is target specific for urine in rugs. Mm. Both of them uh, work exceptionally well. Uh, There's no perfumes. They're all botanicals, plant lipids. There's a very nice chain reaction that takes place with the dwell time and um, just does a very effective job. And that's all we have, those four products. This, the solvents, the uh, dye strippers and all that is well on the market. You can buy that from the chemical dealers and make your own cocktail at your place. Okay. That's, that's why we stopped at four. Yeah, I, knew of the ur- I, know, I knew of the urine product and I remember the secret sauce because it always, it's stuck in my head. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't specifically what it was. Different story, but it's funny how the way you um, name things sometimes will just you know stick in there. And I knew nothing about either product other than obviously urine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you did a good job branding it. That's for sure. Now let's dive into the more. And before you tell us about the more equipment purchase, I want to read something. Spoke with another gentleman. Everyone may know Brian O'Hallock from DA Burns. And obviously our family's been doing business with Brian um, and DA Burns for many decades. And I've been close with Brian for 22 years now, since I came into the business, I called him and we always, every time we talk, it's at least 45 minutes minimum. Most of it, we talked about Tom. So, you know, it was a little boring. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I called him for some stories and insights and he gave me some great stuff. So I'm just going to tell you, what he said. First, we'll start with the more one, then we'll jump to the second one later. Brian said this, if you're adding automation to your rug plant, that's where Tom comes in. Those that have volume work and are looking to save time will require automated equipment. We're thankful that Tom stepped in and took over more equipment. Without Tom, and this is the home run here, the entire industry would have had to start milling parts, scrambling to jerry-rig machines, and or replacing all of the more machines. His purchase of more provides support to so many of us, solely making it able for us to continue employing the more machines. I mean, that blew me away. You know, here you are, you're out there. Let's just call it what it is. You're selling equipment that essentially, you know, provides automation. Why wouldn't you want to sell your own equipment? God forbid you're a little bit selfish. You come in and buy more. And if I'm reading the tea leaves right here and reading the past, right, you, you stop, essentially stop sales of new equipment by providing support for the Moore brand. Am I wrong? Well, I knew because I owned a Moore machine for a little bit. It was a workhorse of a machine. And in the, in the hands of the right companies, it would make a boatload of money for not only the owner, but every 
buddy on staff and a nice living for them. And, and it had done that for years, for decades already. So there was a need. Uh, and of course, I'm an opportunist in the business part of it to, to make sure the legacy continued. So first we stepped in and announced that we would support the service of all those more machines that were in a state of disrepair, perhaps. Uh, what Brian had said was already, in fact, occurring. There was uh, mechanics out there trying to cobble things together. Some did a good job, some did not. And so we stepped in to try to uh, fill a need in that regard. Then we started making more machines again. Okay, right. So, but initially... Yeah it probably set you back financially, not just the purchase, but really putting a stop to new machine sales until you had time to develop, you know, the more equipment. Well, I think the beauty of it, our Centrum Force brand never slowed down. We've had growth wow. years. Never would have guessed that. Yeah. Okay. Adding the more machine line brand, you know, there, there was a, there was a, uh, a period of time where we had to retool to be able to handle that part of things. There's no question about that, but I don't, I don't think the other end of things suffered. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm trying to, you know, make you look like a hero here. It's to turn you yeah. down talking it. Come on, Tom. Yeah. Well, gotta be <laughs> uh, the whole, that story really grabbed me as far as the more purchase, any good anecdotes, any good stories you kept in contact, like you said earlier with the owners, when, you had the you know, thought to purchase them, which I'm sure came years before because you have that kind of foresight, obviously, um, keeping your relationship strong. How smoothly did it go? Was there big bumps in the road? Any great stories that no one's really heard of that you can say, hey, this is a great story. I should probably tell it. Well, I can tell you a story that impressed me. I don't know how the audience will feel about it, but when I first approached Ron Moore about keeping the legacy going, he essentially says, who are you? What university did you go to? What's your engineering background and degree? And like I told you, I don't have any. I'm just a concept guy. Okay. So I had to show Ron Moore the development of a duster that I had conceived, but I had an engineer local here in Ann Arbor participate in developing and making. When I showed him the drawings and uh, mechanical drawings, he, he started to get mildly impressed. But that was like in 2000, uh, I want to say 2006, okay? okay? But that's, and I'd already bought the Moore machine and renovated the one. And so I showed him pictures of how we renovated it and he was mildly impressed with that. So then... Fast forward a little bit, we came out with the centrifuge in 2007, showed him the drawings of that. He started to get a little bit more mildly impressed, but it still wasn't a more machine. It was a horizontal centrifuge. Right. And I said, well, you know, we got a patent for this, you know? And he said, well, that's good, you know? So then we started building some other things. And by the time 2011 rolled around, Ron told me, he says, look, let's talk. I can see that you're in this to stay. Uh, you've kept in touch with me, and maybe this is the right time to sell. Wow. So after I walked through the whole facility with him down in Elkhart, Indiana, 
I was with uh, our foreman from the fab shop was with me and he looked at my foreman right in front of me. And he says, um, I've been approached to be, uh, to sell this company with other people uh, making that approach. But he looked at my foreman and he says, I will not sell to anybody except, then he turns and points his finger at me and says, I will sell to him only. Wow. And so, you know, finally the validation, that was just a nice little story. And that is nice. And we drew up the paperwork and uh, it was pretty seamless as business goes to, That's to great. buy it and sell it. That's great. Yeah, I do, I do like that story. And it speaks to, you know, your patience with everything and it speaks to them. I mean, they wanted to vet who, extensively who was going to take over their legacy, which is, you know, pretty impressive. How yeah, many years had more been in business before you came, um, came into the picture? Well, the Ron's dad and uncle started rug washing in 1936 with a portable that they spent 150 bucks on, which was outrageous money in those days. Mm-hmm. And by 1940s, uh, right around 48, they built an automated machine, which, which we now call the Moore machine, for their rug washing business. And a guy by the name of Cecil uh, Treadway came down from Chicago, a company that you will know by name, Bruce Shells, mm-hmm. Cecil, maybe your dad remembers Cecil. And he saw Arthur Moore's machine in Elkhart, Indiana and said, hey, where'd you get that? And he says, well, I made it. He says, I want one. He says, wow. well, you can't have it. This is the only one. He <laughs> says, make me one. This is a true story. So in 1949, Arthur and Greg Moore made Cecil a Moore machine, the second one in existence, put it in Chicago. And that was the birth of the Moore company, 1949. Wow. Are those two original machines still going? No. <laughs> no. Okay. No. But I, there are some machines out there from the 1950s still going. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. And Bouchel as a company is still going. Mm. Yeah. I don't know them uh, personally. My dad probably knows them. I'm sure my grandfather and uncle knew them back in the day. All right. So when you've seen gaps in the industry, You've had a knack for filling them. We've talked about that already. You provided actionable machinery and products. Um, you know, your USA made equipment without pulling punches is expensive. It's not going to be the low end of the market as far as price goes. Uh, the performance is going to be the high end of the market. That's obvious based on testimonials, proofs in the pudding. So, what does Tom do? He somehow, some way, trying to appeal, I guess, to more markets, gets involved with the Ergen brand. Am I saying that correctly? Ergen, Ergen, yeah, either okay. way. Yeah. I am not going to step into this one with uh, you know, any kind of knowledge. So read us in on the Ergen brand and how things came to fruition and what you saw and why you um, you know, essentially brought it into North America. All right. So Centrum Force has a, a pretty good uh footprint in the United States, pretty well known number one rug washing equipment distribution, period. Okay. Other other Americans have got involved. Uh, their sales do not compare, uh, or the number of products they offer do not compare. Uh, no discredit to them. It's just simply that this is how we position. It ourselves. is what it is. Right. Yeah. So, and you're right about the analysis. It's built in America. Therefore, there are costs that 
only exist because of being built in America. The cost of steel, materials, uh, labor costs, running a, a business, a standalone business in a standalone building, not out in somebody's garage in the backyard. So having said that, successfully Centrum Force has branded their products and sold. But with the rising cost of things, and frankly, because people were looking elsewhere, overseas and foreign companies, they were getting pricing that was absolutely ridiculously low. And not knowing the difference, they would buy some something and it would have to either be discarded soon after their purchase, or they would limp along with it and be frustrated. But in the end, they would have to know they got what they paid for. So my thinking was, let's find an affordable alternative. Now, I've been approached by a lot of foreign companies to represent them because of our footprint. And I, I searched them out. I looked at them, many of them, and I said, you know what? They don't have the work ethics, the business ethics, nor the quality review of their product for me to stand behind it. Because right. ultimately, I got to sell it and service it. Service it, right. So the Aragon family, I met on a, a trip to Turkey and subsequently liked what I saw, liked the family. I made a second trip back there to get acquainted with the whole staff. I took uh, one of our staff members of our fab shop uh, with me, and uh, the deal was hatched to represent them in North America. They would do a couple little different things about the machines that we would bring into this country, and we have mm -hmm. an understanding and a contract. And uh, we've been able to offer an affordable alternative. Uh, it's been two years going, and we almost can't keep up with the demand on that. 2020, right? That's yeah. when it came in? Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. That's a, another bold move in your line of bold moves that have definitely paid off. Um, and, and so the beauty of that, uh, to be honest with you, is that there are people in our industry that have the Centrum Force brand, and they add to it a little of the Ergen brand. And so there's a, there's a, mi uh, a mixture Mix. of that. Yeah. And, and they do it based on a business decision of what they want to accomplish with the, the amount of money they want to commit to it. Simple. Mm. Yeah. No, I can't. You're probably not going to remember, but I remember getting pounded. And it seemed like a couple companies, maybe two or three at least, that were selling parallel equipment to yours I don't know if they found me because of the affiliation, going to the rug summits, who the heck knows, but they found us on social media, found our emails, and I was getting pounded with emails to carry their brand, et cetera. I ended up blocking some of them because I was thinking they're out, oh, they're probably going to try to pillage our you know, friend lists. And I remember telling you, and uh, yeah, so a lot of what you said just makes sense that there was you know, some alternative units out there. You know, I don't blame anybody for trying to better themselves. I mean, that's what we do, right? Of course. But uh, they had the notion that, you know, the streets are paved with gold over here. And, and uh, you know, you can just feature a piece of equipment, people will buy it. And uh, quality control didn't exist on a lot of those items that were coming mm. this way. And I've seen a lot of them. I've been asked to repair them, and, and, and they're, they're beyond... So in no. some cases, beyond uh, repair. Right. They could have many be wired correctly or set for the right. We, you know, we have a, a unit that we import that we use as a, it's a cutting tool. 
and it's tremendous, but it wasn't tremendous from the jump. We brought it in. There was issues for the North American market. It didn't work. It didn't have, I forget what it was specifically. And we had to make changes and eat a lot of the expense. And the worst part of it was convincing them that they were wrong in the <laughs> engineering of the unit. Yeah. So, well, if you want me to sell these, they don't freaking work here. So you could take them back or I'll eat these and I'll fix them and I'll sell them and I'll be gone. Thankfully, they listened and it's been a good marriage ever since. But they were very stubborn in, oh, this works here. There's no problems. I, I understand that. But yeah, there's cultural are, things. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Uh, with Centrum Force brand and the more time saving brand, because of the way they're made, the girth, the the strength, the type of materials that go into them, they can be repaired and keep working for decade after decade after decade. Like I yeah. told you, there we got more machines that have been out in the field for seventy years. That's incredible. We're coming That's up on our seven, the first two. 75th yeah. uh, anniversary of, of the more equipment. That's incredible. Yeah, our, this is our 75th this year, which yeah. is scary. Congratulations. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Okay. In the second part of the interview, I'll also I'll also be interviewing Doug uh, Heiferman, which actually I just interviewed him yesterday. So that's that's backwards. Uh, you were supposed to be first, but we couldn't lock down a time. Yeah. Uh, a lot of you guys know Doug as the Cobra. You and Doug have worked together on various levels. Can you read us in on this business relationship and what Doug means to you and in the industry? Well, Doug is a, quite a character, has a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of energy, been in the business uh, nearly 30 years as an instructor mainly, although he's run some his own cleaning company. Uh, mm. uh, he's got that background, but he's a good mentor. Companies hire him in to go in and... and uh, rev up the crowd and uh, they teach him, he teaches them some standards of best care. Uh, I came across working with him and co-instructing for one day workshops. And I think we had our first one probably three years ago. I think that's about when we started doing it. Mm -hmm. And then we did it through uh, the COVID pandemic era and we went to virtual with the zooming and we had cameras set up and every one of them proved very to be a sellout and successful so it's been a, a nice little ride that's great yeah i love doug and i know he uh you know feels the same about you and the relationship has been has been a good a good pairing yeah the arcs association is a strong group of rug cleaning professionals uh we've had close ties to arcs for years sponsored events etc many arcs members are also clients of ours and i think it's the same with you so there's that parallel but you're more than just an active member or someone who goes to an event once in a while. You know, tell us what ARCS means to you. Well, I was a founding member when I owned my area rug cleaning company. So when ARCS got started, I was one of the uh, handful of companies that actually gave it the seed money to, to get it up and going. Oh, wow. And I did ARCS. not know that. Who else and were the founding companies? You're allowed to say? Yeah, um, I try to go from memory, but and, I, okay. and I'll be—I'll start to miss people. But uh, Deep Eddie, uh, Bill Folds was the uh, uh, first president uh, in my recollection. Uh, Sherians out of Atlanta, uh -huh. uh, uh, Oriental Rug Cleaning out of Dallas, Texas. Uh, Dalworth out out of Euless, uh, Texas. Um, and they're all still active. I know them all. Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, heirloom rug cleaning out of Canada. And of oh, wow. Canadian. I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. Canadian uh, company. 
boy, see, I, I'm already forgetting some. I, I, I'm trying to look at old oh, Petty John's and uh, uh, cleaning company out of uh, Wake Forest, North Carolina. Uh-huh. I know there are, are others, and I just can't think of them all. And some of them are not part of ARCs anymore. They were the founding members. That's funny. No longer. Um, yeah. I would, my One of my guesses was going to be, um, oh my gosh, now I'm losing my brain. And I know him as well as anybody, Steve, up in, in Connecticut. Oh, oh yeah, of course. Triple S. Yes, Triple S. I could, I'm yeah, losing yeah. it. Steve, if you're listening. DeMarco. Yeah. And I, you know, like I said, I've known Steve since I came in 22 years ago. He's, I've always been fond of him. He's always been very friendly to me and we're very candid in our conversations. And yeah, um, I thought, I figured he would be one of them, just knowing the way that they operate and uh, how much he cares about it. And so the funny backstory on that is that Rug Summit, which was going to be held in Euless, Texas at Dalworth's place, they're a client of ours. Mm-hmm. We had all these mastermind meetings with some owners of companies, and we were thinking that the Rug Summit would evolve into a industry thing like an ARCS, but then ARCS was coming into... Uh, existence. It wasn't ARCS at that time. Remember, it was RIA had a division for the rug cleaners, and then they got kicked out. Okay. Okay. So they became the uh, illegitimate uh, child, if I can put it that way. Stepchild of. Yeah. Okay. And so <laughs> by default, they, you know, the members that got kicked out decided, hey, let's regroup and reform. And that's where the uh, name ARCS came into existence. Mm. And so Rug Summit, me and my partner stepped aside and let them do that deal. And uh, so, you know, we do different things, right? Rug Summit is not a membership, whereas ARCS is a membership. So uh, to answer your question, I went around the block here, but Area Rug Cleaning Company was a, a member of ARCS. When I sold the company, I no longer was a member of ARCS through the cleaning company, but I'm an associate member because of the Centrum Force Alliance. Exactly. Makes yeah, complete so. sense. Yeah. All right. Let's end off with some fun and let people in a little bit about you. Um, I know a few things, you know, like I know about the hockey. So I'm just going to throw this out there. Would you rather be playing ice hockey or working in the wash tub? I would rather be playing ice hockey. Thank God. All right, Tom. <laughs> Your boy Doug was all business. I thank God we can have some fun with you. Yeah. All right. If faced with the decision to give up your Shelby Mustang or your lovely wife's extensive hat collection, which would go? Ooh. <laughs> well, I can safely answer it this way. I already sold the Shelby Mustang. Damn it. So it Tom. is gone. <laughs> All right. That my wife's my extensive hat collection is still here in boxes in storage. She just went out every day. She goes out as the weather's changing and digs out a box and pulls out a hat. She heard her fashion. And those of you that don't know Tom's wife, she's an she, absolute fashionista highlighted by the best collection of hats I've ever seen. I mean, like the Kentucky Derby ladies have nothing on her. Nothing. And it's funny you said that because I was just downloading some pictures from a, from a memorandum Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I, I probably got half a dozen to a dozen of pictures. I just might, just because you said that, I just might post them up tonight. Do it, Tom. Her, her with different hats on it. And a boy. It's just yeah. a portion of what she has. Just a she, sliver. Of course, she makes the hats look better. 
but yeah, she's beautiful. still an impressive, uh, an yeah. impressive selection of, uh, of hats. It's insane. Never seen her with the same one twice. Never. All right. What's your dream car? I don't have a dream car, but I, I do like the car I acquired in the absence of the Shelby. Okay. What do we, what do we got? I got, a. Uh, I am for competition, uh, BMW, BMW convertible, and it, it, it's way smoother and quicker than that Shelby. I not that I have to drive, not I that I have to drive it that way. Yeah. Quick distance, but I never had been in one or heard anything about it. Um, the competition motor, I mean, what's the horsepower rating on that? Eh, it's somewhere around 500, but it's, it's delivered. To all wheel, it's an all wheel drive, so it's a different feel altogether. Yeah. They say zero to sixty in three point six seconds. Wow. I haven't. I didn't know I, it was that fast. I didn't. I haven't tested that yet. Yeah, that, that's pretty impressive for five hundred horse. I mean, that's that's a that's a quick zero to sixty time. I mean, five years ago, ten years ago, that's that's beating a lot of uh, you know a lot of supercars of today. Yeah, um, and that's out of the box too. That's nothing. Not doing anything. No mods or anything else, right? No. Now, I got a friend that beats me up. He's a young friend, and he told me uh, for the money, I should have got a, an Alpha Romero. What's that? Uh, Spider? No. no. The Anyways, he, he's a serious... Uh, car junkie? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I prefer the look of certain cars over others, even though they could be better buys. Yeah. You know, the performance is there for something like that. Great. You also want to love the way it looks, so... Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not that hard to please. I'm not even a gearhead, you know? So. Yeah. Which I didn't know. I'm learning. I learned that today. Yeah, um, I mean, I've, I've ridden motorcycles and, and, and had a bunch, but I, I'm just not a gearhead. Gotcha. I, 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 I defer to people that know more. Exactly. Me neither. Uh, I just know what my eyes like. Yeah. What's the dream job. If you could start over outside of what you're doing now, what would have the, what was the dream job growing up? That's a good question. I, I guess I never really. How about as a kid? What did you want to do as a kid? I, be, I wanted to be the point guard for the Los Angeles Lakers, like Magic Johnson. What was your, like, as a kid, what was your. I guess most... I wanted, you know, I always thought I, I'd play some football at some level beyond college, but just, I didn't, even, I didn't even play past high school. So there we go. <laughs> okay. So a football player, was basketball, yeah. you were football. Yeah. Um, that's really it, Tom. Is there anything else I didn't you know, cover that you wanted to go over that you were excited to talk about that maybe I didn't mention. No, I mean, if the, you know how the thing, how you want the thing to flow. So. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I want you to be happy with it too, but yeah. uh, you were fantastic. Tom, thanks for coming on with us. And, um, you were great. I really appreciate it. All right. So I appreciate it. The invite. As far as our next guest goes, I've never met the man. Neither of us has ever been on the phone about work or anything for that matter, really. We have mutual friends and clients in business and see each other on social media. That being said, here's what I see from afar and what everyone sees in him. You'll meet people throughout the course of your life that inspire you. You'll meet people that have unrivaled work ethic, and you'll meet some that have a passion for life their work, and everyone they know. I defy you to find a man with this level of unwavering passion and commitment in everything he does. 
And he does exactly what he says he's going to do. One thing's for certain, God broke the mold with him. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome in the Cobra, a.k.a. <laughs> Doug Heiferman to NC Shop Talk. Welcome yeah. to the show, buddy. Uh, so kind to you, buddy. First thing I want to, uh, you know, 30 years in the classroom teaching IICRC, traveling the United States, helping all my friends build businesses without my students and people that supported me for all these years. I'm the luckiest guy in the world to be able to go out and uh, do what I do. And today's presentation is really geared to, uh, I really didn't want to talk about sales and marketing and the standard things I do every day. As someone that works for himself for 30 years, I want to uh, tell you some mistakes that I made and how I was able to develop myself into the type of individual where I can really rely on myself and uh really have a certain level of self-confidence and uh, personally and uh, professionally to continue to move forward in my life when facing adversity. And my dad being a military man, kicking me around all the time, that... Uh, you, had no, you had no choice. That definitely uh, helped out, but uh, I appreciate the introduction. I am full bore. I only know how to go one way. I take a lot of pride in what I do. Uh, all my work, actually, uh, I'm a little nutty, is satisfaction guaranteed. My consulting, my teaching, someone's not happy with a class. I'm really not happy with taking somebody's money. We're more than happy to give you your money back, and it's just a thrill uh, to be out here every day, uh, you know, gonna, trying I'm to help people. I'm going to take a wild guess. No mm -hmm. one's ever taken you up on that because I know if they're hiring you for something, whatever it is, it's going to be. You know, shelf. we're not going to lose. And if we do, they're going to remember our name theory, Mal. I mean, what I really do, it's really every single person has um, a special skill. And what happens is when you embrace education and you go through your life, you basically find something that really like rocks you. And if you're not really doing that and, and searching for education and learning new things, you may never find that. And then once you find it, it's easy to talk about it, but can you sustain it? And then in today's world, from what I see, negativity and balance in one's life, especially with the interpersonal world today of what's happening, you know, with uh, health things and things like that. Um, and I could tell you one more thing. If you have, you know, like a guy like me, that's why I had to learn an A personality. I have to be in control if you can't tell. Well, I want to tell you what Doug, to do. I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't even asked you a question yet, and you're already you're already controlling the interview. This is this is I told insane. you. I told I you. Anybody... Don't tell Doug Heiferman <laughs> to go. Mary, Mary warned me about you. I you know what she Mary's said? You see, now I was gonna joke, but I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> people, Mary's your when, lovely when wife, people say hyperactive. As um, good as you are, Mary's the better half. And she's she told oh, me how hyperactive she makes you are. me look like nothing. I said, Mary. You don't have to warn me about him being hyperactive. I've learned about the Cobra on social media, how passionate he is and everything. So let me dive into this thing. Okay. And follow my lead on these questions and we can jump into more. Sure. Um, I didn't really want to talk about work in my intro. We'll get to it, but not quite mm -hmm. yet. I believe in a lot of things, but okay. first and foremost, God and family. As I've gotten okay. older, what I see more than anything is intentions. And from what I see, because we're all going to screw up, right? But sure. Sure. Your intentions sure. always seem to be so pure with care, with a true desire to see others succeed and get better. 
I'm trying to paint a picture of everyone listening. We're going to get to what Doug does. So everyone settle down. Trying to paint a picture for everyone listening of the type of man you are. I'm amazed by you, what you stand for and how you go after it 24-7. So what, what's behind all that drive? You alluded to your dad. You told your dad is a military guy, and I'm sure he had full throttle for everything. Yeah. What's behind all these things I've been saying about you, about your passion, your commitment, the the you know desire to see others succeed, helping people? We know you get yeah. paid for it, but sure. tell us why. Get us behind the curtain on this. You know, you mentioned your family. Uh, my baby girl, Erin, was a miracle baby. My wife had her like 38 years old, and... Uh, my parents killed themselves to make sure we each had a college education. My mom uh, recently passed two weeks ago, a 50-year educator, uh, passed of Alzheimer's. And uh, my sister is uh, also a uh, teacher. So, you know, that's uh, basically what we do. But I, I wanted my daughter to have a fantastic education. A lot of people say I'm driven by money. Well, unfortunately, maybe so. Because I wanted my family to have certain things, and unfortunately in life, I wasn't the type of guy that would settle. I, I, I would kill myself. And you know, it's funny in business, and I learned from my father, and I don't know if you know, I lived off grid for eight years too, to challenge myself, you know, without TV, things like that, to make oh, wow. myself- I didn't know that. No. Yeah, I had a beautiful cabin up in the mountains to make myself into the type of man that would be able to- uh, you know, take care of himself under any situation. So what drove me was to be able to set the example for my family. And uh, I know it sounds wacko, but, you know, you'd have to, you know, kind of kill me to stop my uh, enthusiasm. And then to help my friends is uh, a big kick for me. You know what I mean? So Of course. Uh, no, your at, teaching seems to be in the blood, and I think you've taken it I to another stop. level. I can't stop. You know, I just, uh, people like, when are you going to retire? That's interesting for people like, when they ask that question, I mean, um, I got a lot left in the tank. You're too young to retire anyway. And, you know, 61 today, I mean, that's not, and, and we'll talk a little bit about that as I'm sure as we go on, you know, how you could still roll and, you know, take on people much younger than you in different avenues of your life if you don't focus so much on more negativity and how old and pains and problems and that's easy yeah. to do. I'm right? guilty of it yeah. too. I got yeah, the that's easy, yeah. Division Three glory body that doesn't want to quit on me and just drives me crazy every time I start doing <laughs> something. Division Three glory body. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I hurt myself for literally. I would do it all over again the same way, but just foolishness. Yeah. But you're right, and you're not an excuse maker, which I love. Now let's give you the floor about work. I want you to tell everyone out there listening about the many hats that you wear and all that you do for the rug. Oh, industry boy. in the rug cleaning industry. So if you can, you know, give us a quick synopsis of all the different levels that you touch and what you do, let people yeah. in on what you do, and then we'll... Yeah, uh, it's we'll really even... Uh, <laughs> when I think about it and I think about where I'm at in my life and what I'm doing, it's, uh, it's like a movie, really. I mean, I was a certified accountant out of college and my wife's family bought the second, like, interlinked supply, supply store. Mm -hmm. I knew nothing about carpet cleaning, nothing, none of that. The first carpet I cleaned was Billy Joel. That's wow. the, the first carpet you cleaned was Billy first Joel's? Carpet. First carpet. Wow. So okay. when I came into the industry, and you know me, I was a suit and tie guy, and I was a presenter, public speaker, so I was good with people. 
And I liked people. And they saw that right away. So even like 30 years ago, I charged what the people do today. Like I didn't focus my life on price and I focused myself on more of quality and things like that. So then my brother said, you know what, a guy like you, what are you kidding me? If you opened up a cleaning business, I'm like, I told my parents, them like, you know, my, my Jewish mom and dad, they were like, Uy vey, we're going to get a psychologist for you. <laughs> After all that schooling, right? 50,000. Yeah. You're an accountant. I work for Federated Department Stores uh, off of Park Avenue, which owns the, in the legal department. And I had a real cushy job, but, you know, that wasn't good enough for me. I wanted to... My, Make my it mom, hard. Yeah, you want to be a janitor, she thought. But then <laughs> I started okay. working for people. You would have been the best one there is, I'll tell you that. Al Pacino, so I moved forward. But basically what happened was, in our industry, my teaching degrees and all my college degrees and my ability to deal with people and, and love for people and uh, my business savvy in an industry sometimes where, no disrespect, isn't well known for that sometimes. We could be a very technical group. But my, my, my thing was I could be very technical, but my expertise was running a business and building a business, right? Right. So and if the, you can build a business and add and a little of that other stuff to it, you got a dangerous, you know, monster on your hands. So, and my Mary, forget her, my wife also worked on Park Avenue in New York. She's an MBA, registered stockbroker. So you put us together, we can hammer, uh, you know, pretty good. Like so I started, force. yeah, we were a, a big force. And then I started uh, teaching IICRC in 1993. Okay, I'm going to stop you for a second. You need to explain to everyone listening mm-hmm. what exactly you do first. Then we can get into the other stuff. What I do what is, is I'm, a, do? I'm, I'm a consultant in the industry. I'm an education consultant. I own DH Seminars, okay. which I'm sitting in my educational facility in Goshen, New York. I own a home in Pennsylvania, which is 20 minutes from here. What are so, you doing? What are you doing teaching specifically? What are you teaching? Teaching, the- I teach uh, carpet cleaning, upholstery cleaning. I'm one of uh, an international instructor in the rug world with uh, people like Tom Monahan. I'm a rug collector. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying anything. You Google Doug Heiferman rugs, there's 50 pages at least that. It gets me tired to explain you know, it. Yeah. yeah. And that's just from my passion. I never put any of that in there. People always look me up. So you see, I practice diversity. If you look, I mean, I, you know, I have accounting degrees. I have uh, teaching degrees. I build businesses. So I have a multifaceted approach to business. And then I back myself up with good people. Right. And, uh, you're basically, in a nutshell, I could already see you as an instructor. You're not just going there teaching them how to right. clean a rug. Right. You're going to show them how to build their branding. How to My their students brand. are well known to be yeah. the top, some of the top business people. Uh, business growers. Uh, yeah. you gotta be business. and listed you're, you're in Forbes magazine, right. things like that. I'm just yeah. juiced about that, you know? Yeah. Kids I met 20 years ago are now in Forbes. And then I train generations, right? I trained the father. Now I'm training the kid. Now I'm training the son, right? It's yeah, just a real hype, you know? That's incredible. I can tell you one thing. If you guys haven't been following Doug on Facebook, you need to, because not only you're going to learn, but it's entertaining. If you, get, <laughs> if, you ever, if you ever get bored of the rug world and you're training- I can entertain you, that's it, for sure. You can launch a career in exercise videos, just like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where, That's where, kind did this love, where did the love from rugs come from? Just, I, I mean, I'm kind of answering my own question. You answered it already. You kind you of know, got started. Well, my mom, 
it's interesting. You know, my mom, um, she wanted us to be worldly. You know, my mom is an educator, so she would take us to New York City to like the art museums okay. and things like that. And um, I enjoyed it. I developed a fineness for art. And you know what really got me, Mal, mm -hmm. was um, understanding different cultures. Like if you look at someone's religion, their culture, and you have an open mind, that's what really brings people together, right? So I don't know, like the people in the Middle East, like I'm just like very enthused by, right? And, yeah. and it, I'm interested in how they live and, you know, like all the, you know, different types of tribal things that I collect. You know, you take a saddlebag, someone used that 100 years ago and carried this stuff across the desert and then made it by hand, right? Yeah, and it so lasted always, all that yeah, time. And I it's just still, really, uh, and the cultures that uh, do these things are surviving cultures. You want to talk about adversity and people that learn to survive with, you know, basically nothing, um, some of the greatest cultures in the world. So I was also an honors uh, political science and history major because I was very interested in what, you know, made people tick. And I, I think that really helps me a lot with my students, you know. Uh, for sure. For sure. Ever since I was a little boy, I mean, like, we never really talked, so you don't know anything about me. No. Ever since I was a little boy, I've always loved coaches. I love coaching now. I've loved coaching from little level. I coached high school before we right. had kids. When we had kids, I had to stop because it was just too much. I had to be a better dad and, you know, take care of my own business. But thanks to my Uncle Mike, I knew what a true coach should be. Just something about motivating players, getting the best out of them, especially when they don't know it's exciting in themselves. <clears throat> yeah, always, it's exciting. Always grab me. And I've right. seen you with your students and it's wonderful to see how they respond to you and how they revere you. Is it the coaching and helping others that gets the juices flowing, a combination of it? Yeah. And our, I mean, it's, um, it's fulfillment and not, you know, in a very humble fashion, I should be able to make money after 30 years. So after 30 years, it becomes nothing really about money and how I could become a better person. And man, I'm a work in progress, as you could tell. <laughs> even, at, <laughs> even at my age, everybody, just, nobody's perfect. So how do I become better? And I am blessed and, and thankful. A lot of people look up to me. And I take that uh, real serious. I and my students do. call me all the time for help. You know, Mr. Heiferman, you know, can you help me? This, that, and the other thing. And uh, touching lives is a very uh, heartfelt thing. And uh, that's about in my presentation that today's world should always keep us humble and kind, even though there could be an expiration date on kindness with some people too. But you're right. That we should, you know, do our best to always stay focused on things that benefit us, our family, and uh, people that care about us. For sure. Yeah. Um, today's world's not the same. Not no. the same world we knew 10 years no. ago, five, five years ago, 30 years no. ago. It's I can't believe different. it. How do you handle your business and overcome the challenges that we face today in the work environment, really in general? Two years ago when the... Uh, pandemic hit. First of all, you know me, I'm a million mile traveler on United. I, I, you know, teach whatever 30 some odd classes around the country too. I'm always moving. If you could tell, I'm probably moving in the chair. <laughs> but, I'm just uh, talk on my yeah. Answer. So, I mean, uh, I'm always moving and I'm always keeping myself going. So, you know, that's really part of the whole thing. 
And once you're in that momentum and you're going and you're helping people, you just, uh, you can't stop. And, you know, the students write you letters, you know, things like that, how well they're doing. And a lot of my students, they, they didn't graduate high school. You know, I have a lot of students that um, had problems in their life and, you know, no one to help them. And a, a lot of my problem was with people is my heart. And I really had to learn with people today because they would take so much of me. Yeah. And I keep take, take, You can give all day long. People will I, take all And day. I'm, I just couldn't stop. So there's a, a, a balance, uh, Sorry. you know, place too that I talk a little about. That's okay. We, a about. lot of people get taken advantage of for that very same thing. It's rare though, but as much as people can take, they will. Trust me. You know, like, oh, I don't care if the person really likes me or... Well, maybe it's a character flaw or something I need to progress and work on myself. But if someone doesn't like me, it bothers me. You know, I, I say I don't blame me. I feel the same. Why? Why? But you know what? That's a whole other uh, whole other story. Of, yeah, world. uniqueness of the world and uh, what you need to be able to face today uh, in 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 our new times. Yeah, we could dive into the psychologies a million yeah, different yeah, ways. It's, you know, um, yeah. it's just different. The world is different. The way people interact is different. It yeah. was rapidly going downhill just with the advancement of social media and devices. So you're losing a whole level of social connection. So the fact that your business has thrived more and more and you more see, every year. I just, the, the real you know. secret of, of the thriving is the ability to instantly adapt like when COVID first hit, like even a lot of the teachers and like they called me, you can imagine, you know, I'm rocking, you know, making good money, have all these bills. I just bought a seriously half million dollar place I, I built and they're like, well, you know what? There's no work now. So right away I saw, and you know, I'm certified in the, the COVID and the ICRA and working in the hospitals and I did jobs for major league baseball. So you see also my background allowed me to make the most money, believe it or not, in bad times because of my uh, educational background and mold and licenses and all that and all those yeah. certifications, yep. you know, really, uh, you know, kicked in for me. But what I did was I told the company, I said, listen, we need to, you know, I'm a consultant for Ramsco, which is the, the, the largest. I said, listen, we need to start online teaching. They're like, when could you start that? I'm like, next week, I'm going to start a whole new business. Let's go. Yeah. So let's go. Right. It's like a football team. And, and, and a lot of the teachers said, you know what? You're crazy. You're going to buy all these computers. You know, you have to have a, a 1400 square foot classroom. I bought every piece of equipment for thirty five thousand dollars. Right. And I I opened a whole new business and, and rocked it. And the problem is now there isn't enough for everybody. And online teaching is very difficult, as you can imagine, yeah. to entertain people all day. So right away, instead of sitting back and waiting, like I'm not, I don't wait for Social Security. I don't wait for Medicare. I don't wait for, are you with me? If I yeah. get it, great. If I don't get it, I'm financially good because I also, I'm not a, 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 a You don't rely speaker. on anybody else. You want to I rely, rely on yourself. On, on people. That's a key today. You have to rely on, uh, on yourself. So I opened up a whole new business and you know what? I was like the second or third online teacher. And then I invented the first online rug washing class with Tom Monahan. You see what I did? And people were like, mm -hmm. is that going to unpacked? So you see what happens? But if I would have hunkered down and 
looked at all the negativity and woe is me, I I started throwing both hands harder. That's it. Because I could have finished. Yep, you got to fight. I, similar things happen to us. But um, yeah, what no. you did launching all together new. I mean, we couldn't go to trade shows. So I brought the trade show to everybody else. $16,000. And that's, launch, you see, what it. we're discussing yeah. is how good you handle risk, right? Yeah. You got to do it. You got to take that <laughs> risk. You got to spend the money. Exactly. All right. Out, outside of the cleaning techniques and processes, does your expertise also include and I don't know the answer to this. I'm guessing yes, but being able to assess rug value, rug origin. You know, uh, I'd be honest with you. That's the uh, hardest thing in the world. And there's only so many appraisers. I'm not a uh, international appraiser. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I could really pass the appraisal test. Rugs are made and the patterns are copied all over the world and the weavers move. That's actually a lifetime uh, venture. To say that you're an expert at rug identification and things like that. Now, I'm okay at it. Would I say that I'm an expert at it? Absolutely not. Um, Again, there's people that just, you know, focus on that. Dennis Dodds, people that work in Washington in museums and, you know, things like that. And what type of weaves and what type of warp and wefts they use and the materials and things like that. So one thing about the rugs is it's a, uh, a lifetime thing to learn. Mm. And I learned that I cleaned John Lennon's rug. <laughs> Did you really? 18. My heart. Hang on. I'm old. John Lennon's rug. John. So, so far, Billy Joel, John Lennon. Oh, no, I could go on, but right, you, I, don't, you I don't want to be like that. that it, that'll ask you. But you like too. you like, how can this guy, you see, there's carpet cleaning, carpet cleaning and carpet cleaning. Did you meet any any celebs Big time. that were like hands-on with the job? I get invited to their house for their parties. They lead us around and say, hey, this is this is the guy that handles all my artwork, stuff wow. like that. We would That's go incredible. to me and my brother-in-law would go to parties at Christie Brinkley's. Who's your favorite? Who's your favorites that you've met? You know, I'd be honest with you. Just be honest. You don't know any other way. Be honest. People, people of that stature, like even when they invite you, like they're kind, but they're also smart. Like, they don't want to... Are you with me? Yeah, they're guarded. Like, because most people go on and they start telling you what's in their house and things like that. And they really... So they're a little standoffish. But, I mean, everyone's nice. But, like, when you work for someone like Mr. Pacino, you go in, he'll say hello to you and everything. But then he'll get up and what? Well, he'll, he'll walk Move. Out. Yeah. Because he gets that all day. The, the guy can't even walk in the street. Exactly. Hey, well, how you doing? <clears throat> yep. Take care of my rug. Here's your thousand or whatever. And, and get out. <laughs> says goodbye, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a guy like that. just uh, And he's very nice. He doesn't have to say what to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, it is cool, though. You go to the houses. You got to get by the bodyguard and everything like that. You know where a lot of them are. Uh, there's a, uh, just for a little history lesson for you, there's a place in uh, Nyack, New York, along the Hudson River. You know, I'm from Suffern. 15 minutes up from that, called Sneedon's Landing. Mary Sneedon was an old uh, centric woman that, you know, like 75 years ago, bought these little bungalows on the Hudson River. And when all these like stars, you know, worked in New York City, they had nothing. Okay. They rented these bungalows for next to nothing on the Hudson. Well, obviously, when they made money, they come back, bought them and built all those mansions. Wow. And that's when you go across the Tappan Zee Bridge and you see all those 
big houses right on Monsters, the edge. Yep. Yep. That's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, movie stars and, you know, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, one of my buddies worked on business. one of them years ago. You see, okay. I never thought, even people, when you think in business, you never want to think competing against others. We have to be smart enough and bright enough to soar over them like the eagle. Price isn't going to win. It's brain power. Yeah, I just did a seminar and I the first slide in my PowerPoint, the very first slide, I said, the greatest adversary you're ever going to have is yourself. And they all looked at me like I was on, like I was, like I was. Yeah, I'm, I'm hard on myself. I'm said, hard on myself. Say yeah. it out loud over and over again until you get it. The greatest adversary you're ever going to have is yourself. Yeah. Um, all yeah, right. Absolutely. We're going to jump. We're going to jump into the NC shop talk rapid fire hot seat. I'm going to give you some questions. Just fire away. Mm -hmm. uh, fire back quick answers. Whatever comes to mind. Mm -hmm. and We're going to cook through them. You ready? Mm -hmm. Okay. If you could pick one country of rug origin. To fill your house with, what would it be? Which country? Iran. Okay. In all your travels, what's your favorite state to visit? You know, I'm a big outdoorsman. Uh, I go nuts over like uh, the uh, way out west, Montana. Yeah. You know, I stayed there, you know, uh, things like that. That's why I had the off-grid uh, place. So I, you know, I go someplace like Montana. that. I love Vermont. That's my favorite. Yeah, I like um, Vermont too, but uh, yeah. Montana is uh, real special. I, I believe it. I haven't been. I got to go one of these days. Real special. Have you visited any rug making facilities overseas? You know, that's one thing. I mean, I've been in, invited many times, but my schedule and things like that has not really, uh, you know, that's a big endeavor to do, but uh, that would really be the pinnacle of my career, you know, like Tom's done that, you know, four or five yep. times. It's been to Tom, Turkey, Randy Hyde, all those like guys. They're, they're yeah. So I really, uh, you know, have not had the, uh, the opportunity I have, but I've never, uh, yeah. you know, seized it yet. You know, yeah. I'm always, like you said, I could work 24 seven. I should take some time. Take some myself, time. But Why not? You've, you've earned it. What are you going to do? Die with all the money? Spend some of it, right? Well, right. I just built a facility, a house. I'm doing pretty good spending some of it. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get out for yourself a little bit, even though you love your work. Yeah. All right. We yeah. talked about Billy Joel and John Lennon. So we touched on this a little bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change my question. What's the most expensive rug that you've worked on? There's a gentleman in New York City. His name is uh, Sammy Uffer. Okay. On Park Avenue, the private elevator up to his place, he donated a nuclear submarine to Israel during the Israeli war. Oh, my God. He's got the first time I ever saw a safe room. Elevator wow. to it, you hit the button, it opens up. When I was there, Mal, uh -huh. they were selling him a, a bound wool rug for his hallway for 56000 uh -huh. Oh, my dear God. But uh, he had a rug, like an antique rug from Iran in his place, like, you know, Six, seven hundred thousand. We wow. clean that up our hands and knees and Tyvek. So, but um, what made what, it so expensive, Doug? Well, what makes it expensive is like anything else. You see, everyone thinks, oh, the rug is old. It's worth something. That means nothing. It's it's like a car. Like, is the VIN number the same? Is it natural dyes? Who made it? What part of the country? You know, what type of dyes? And then what, what dye house? You know, there's special dye houses known for the best dyes. There's special weavers that weave their name into the rug where right away, like, you know, they only make so many rugs by that person, right? And that rug could Rare. be. Yeah. And depending who owns the rug, like, 
John Lennon's 1940 Saruk, even though the thing might be sell for, you know, 14, 15, 18,000, there's no price on the rug at auction because it belonged to John Lennon and his piano (laughs) sat on it for 30 years. So rugs uh, really run the gamut and they're really artwork on the floor. Yes. So I've also done very well because I can clean and airbrush those rugs and put them under the water. And there isn't craftsmen that do those things a lot anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you got you get an edge too. You can bring them back to life. Yeah, I got a yep. big edge. All right. Yeah. You're a family man first. What's your favorite meal that your wife Mary makes for you? Oh man, that's hard to say. <laughs> she can she can go. Uh, let me think. She's such a good cook. I, I don't know. I might I might have to say the stuffed cabbage or the stuffed peppers. Okay. It's a toss up. Toss up. All right, we're stuffing something. That's all. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I can eat. All right. Um, May I just talked to Mary before. She was getting your headset ready for you, of course. Now I asked Mary, who's the better cook? She gave me the answer. Who do you think Mary said was the better cook? Well, I'm sure she said me because I cooked in restaurants and I have experience. <laughs> she and you know what? I said it was you, but maybe more 50 50 because she had her things that she does better than you. No, she does. She's you like do more. with yeah. like the regular and, uh, you know, traditional, but traditional I, I'm stuff. more like uh, the chef stuff where I like to create stuff, you know, like artwork, you know? Yeah, she did say you'll pull things out of thin air. But I don't have time for that that much anymore. Like tomorrow, I'm doing a hands-on spotting and then have corporate meetings. And so my, a lot of that I don't fun know. I, stuff. I, I could, never, could never keep your schedule. I do it. You know, I travel once or twice a month. It's enough for me. Your daughter, Erin, was a rock star student, now a top-shelf attorney. You did tell me on the phone that one time we spoke that you'd be afraid of her if you had to go up against her. You wouldn't want to. Exactly. This one's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you a second if you need it. But mm-hmm. in regards to Aaron, mm-hmm. as a dad, what's your proudest moment? All right, I got to keep it together on this one. No, <laughs> I don't want to be crying and stuff like that, being called. Trying to extract the motion here. Crying on the TV. I got a job to do, Doug. I'm trying to extract the motion, get a story. So um, first of all, my baby girl. Uh-huh. Graduated Siena University, London School of Economics, Fordham University, and Syracuse. Wow. When she was in Syracuse, there's a very, um, like a ladies' foundation that you have to uh, go to boards to get on and everything. And they don't take a lot of people. Mm. She got up to, you know, the head people and, you know, they were given the final interview and, um, maybe six people on a board, you know, big thing. And the, the lady was like, um, just like you asked, like a similar question. They don't tell you the questions. You know, Aaron, out of all the business people in the world, out of anybody that you could emulate, who do you have the most respect for and works the hardest you've ever seen? She said, my dad. Wow. That's awesome. So hang on. All these people are like, you know, they're like, you the mean like they a name and all these big people? She's like, oh, no. She's like, they can't touch my dad. You know, they may be smarter and anything like that, but my my dad will never stop until he helps somebody. And, wow. of course, they let her. They never had. They said, no one's ever said their dad, they said. Wow. So that was 
That's that's good. There it is, the old man, right? I got a I got a I got a couple with with my kids being young with my son, and it was you know they all listen. They hear things. These parents today, I'm sorry, you know, <laughs> and I'm sure people are listening now that I'm friendly with, and some are good and some aren't. But <laughs> it just is what it is. I, I don't I don't sugarcoat. I think you sugarcoat less than I do, but I don't sugarcoat real well. But these kids yeah. listen, and my dad grew up fighting and he always taught me stick up for somebody else that can't stick up for themselves. So I taught my son the same thing. And this one boy, gosh, I don't know, third grade, fourth grade, no third, second, second or third grade comes home from school and he was worried he was going to get in trouble. He got in a fight at school. I said, what happened? Well, I didn't get in trouble. Really? I said, just tell me what happened. He went on and on. It's tell me what happened. He was nervous. He was scared. And he says, you know, my friend, I've told you about him before that stutters. I said, yeah. And he said, well, this one boy has been making fun of him and I'm friends with him too. So I said, okay, well, I keep telling him to stop making fun of him. And today he yelled at me and told me to shut up. That'll do whatever he wants. And I guess I forget what my son said, but basically said, well, if you're going to keep making fun of him, then we're going to (laughs) go. So, The kid pushes Dylan. Dylan pushes him to the ground. He gets up. Kid comes at Dylan. Thank God he missed with a punch. I didn't teach him anything at that point. He missed with a punch, and Dylan knocked him out right to the ground. He's crying. <laughs> and then, oh, God, Dylan's closest friend, Thomas, who takes karate, comes over. The kid tries to get up off the ground. Thomas comes in and kicks him back to the ground. He's like, oh, my oh, God, gosh. Dylan, gosh. you're gang fighting this kid. You're j- jumping. He goes, no, that is not how it worked. And Thomas stopped. I stopped. Teacher came over. The principal heard the story. The teacher pretty much knew what happened. And the other kid got in trouble. And thankfully, uh, Dylan and Thomas didn't. But that was my proudest moment for him. For my daughter, similar. I mean, there's been a few of them, but this was my favorite. She's in middle school now. A couple of girls were making fun of, uh, a group of girls were talking negatively about Emma's friend, who was quickly becoming her closest friend. They're all friends. And this is hard for a girl to do. Girls don't talk like guys do. So Emma said, wait, why are you talking about her? Oh, Emma, blah, blah, blah. Emma said, no, 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 no. You don't talk bad about her. You do it. You don't do it in front of me. She catches him again weeks later, same thing. And she stuck up for them again. And the girls gave her crap and all that stuff. But don't think for a second these girls are going to tangle with her now. And if they do, they know what's going to happen. Yeah, and She had to go and tough, tell her friend. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough. She went, she told her friend. She was hysterical. She was upset. Of course, like anybody would, especially a girl, young girl, her parents send Michelle a text saying, wow, thank you so much that sure. you, know, you raised your daughter right. That was such a big thing and meant a lot to us. We know she's a true friend. So there, there's my two for a young that's, that's kid. That's fantastic. Yeah. Love those. Fantastic. Um, all right, we're both going to get we're both gonna need a box of Kleenex in a second here. Um, <laughs> all right. Favorite hobbies outside of exercise and rugs. Um, anything outdoors. I, um, I, you know, my dad was big with, uh, firearms and fishing and, uh, hunting and, uh, camping. And, uh, like nice. I said, I, uh, well, I really built the outdoor camp for me and my dad, but, uh, he died of, uh, lung cancer before he ever, you know, saw it, you know, I, I worked on cars. I mean, I just, I'm not, you know, I'm not like a super athlete at any one thing, but, uh, 
I'm I'm competitive. So I, like I that. yeah, I, like I just that. love to I could hockey, I mean rollerblade, <laughs> like, anything. anything. That's good. Yeah, a little well versed. I did it all kind of we got a lot of we got a lot of parallels, even though we're different. Yeah, I um, could I could pretty much if it's you know a sport, I I know how to I know how to play it. I ne- I never played lacrosse. That's always something they didn't I have never big for us either. I wish they I did, never I never license, played, but uh, soccer wrestling. I wrestled in school too. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lacrosse would have been incredible. I would have loved lacrosse. I wish it wasn't was, big. Now it's big, but when I was a kid, it wasn't many I moons ago. <laughs> oh, I would have loved it. I, I wish I could. Oh, forget it. We were just talking about that the other day. Um, all right, celebrity crush growing up. You know that's 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 uh, that's weird. That's something. Um, <laughs> I haven't thought about in a while. Not, you know, you know, not really. Like even today, that's such an interesting topic that I think we could really, <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, make something of. But uh, just I, I'm just serious. Like, like you go there and like even when I, you know, used to go to people's houses, you'd see they have the girl on the motorcycle, stuff like that. I had like a guy with an axe, you know, with some. <laughs> I just, well, now we're going a whole new different direction. Yeah, maybe it's a different direction. Hey, I am married. I do have children, but you know what I mean? I just. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just can't think of one. I'm, I'll Christy be honest Brinkley, with you. I can't think of one. And, and you know what? I've been with my wife almost 40 years. Wow. So that's all I think about. I'm smart. Not a boy. I don't mean celebrity crush. <laughs> I said growing up. I'm not trying to get you in trouble. She'll beat me up. Yeah, I don't want <laughs> She'll you to beat the cobra here. to death. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Oh, that um, question got me, bro. There's, there's one thing I have to, I have to wonder. And oh. I have to ask because I'm sure there's 100 people out there that follow you. What in God's name are you doing? Working out in jeans, dress pants, and button downs all the time. Can we take five minutes to put some workout gear on? You know what? You got to be ready to go at any... I don't care. <laughs> what do you got to put workout stuff on for? What is that all about? <laughs> you can mess up your good clothes, and it can't be comfortable. See, that's the thing with you young kids today, you know? You got a suit for everything. You get ready. You want to... I'll take you on in my jeans. Let, let's let's just go. Whatever it is. Embarrass you. <laughs> but you know what? A 61-year-old Jewish guy doing that to you, your friends will never, you'll be the most embarrassed guy around, so we better not. <laughs> right, favorite sport that you, you watched growing up and you maybe still watch? I, I did watch a lot of uh, football. And you know what I really was my thing? Boxing. Okay, I'm a bo- I love boxing too. Of his eye, and I like to. Uh, All right, give me. No, I'm not a fighter, but I like to, you know, uh, mix it up. Yeah, I got a heavy bag in the in the back there. I'm glad yes. you said boxing, but first let's yeah. jump on football, real quick. Give me your Mount Rushmore of football players. Four guys. Who's on the Mount Rushmore for football? Uh, you know, uh, I like the uh, Mannings. You know, even though people have you know things to uh, say. I'm just looking from pure, like, football, like, not, like, the person. Okay. You know, I used to run into Lawrence Taylor a lot, who lost his way and was a very... uh, He's the best defensive player ever. Yeah, but, I mean, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to, you know, touch someone like that. And then, you know what? I'll go to, like, an off... You know, people like um, Doug Flutie. That you, you can't know, put pe- Doug Flutie on your Mount Rushmore for goodness sake. Well, you know what I do is I mix it up because I look at you know <laughs> that's what people would say right away. But you know what? Look at his size. Yep. Look what he was able to do. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I mean, he's got some special talent. So I, I kind of even when I pick a team, 
I, I, I mix it up because you always got those top ones, right? Yeah. Those other ones are going to come up on him. But I, I just used to, you know, he would be a lot better if he threw the ball. <laughs> do you remember him and what he used to do? Hey, he'd run a lot. Like he, yeah. he was, they couldn't catch him. Scrambler. Yep. He all was right. a big Bo- scrambler. Boxing wise. Who do you think are the best boxers of all time? Forget about who you like. I like Ray Boom Boom Mancini. I like Pernell Whitaker. They're not the top five or 10 boxers of all time. Larry Holmes. Boxer? Larry Holmes was one of the most uh, toughest, Dominant. best Dominant. boxers ever that can knock you out with his, uh, with his jab. Just the jab alone. Yeah. Yeah. People like Floyd and Sugar Ray Leonard could move their hands. You know, you like, uh, you know, lightning. See, that's the thing. Even with, uh, boxing it seems like even the sports world has changed you know with the athletes and uh there used to be so many i mean there's a lot of good boxers but i mean we used to have some really in- incredible boxers right i think more is going towards mma mma is getting a lot well, of that's what happened guys. with mma and you know what's really interesting i have trained not many mma people are in our industry that i i've trained in Tampa, the guy came in with the jacket on and three uh, three gold rings. You oh, know wow. what? This guy, I wish I remember his name. He was famous. He fought. He had half a lung, and he used to have to get oxygen. He fought with uh, Chuck Norris and them. But this guy, I trained wow. people. I wish I had a list of all the different people that came through the... Uh, I could only imagine all the people you've met, especially with all the football traveling. players, too, that opened these yeah. businesses and things mm-hmm. like that. I met a lot of interesting people. <laughs> All right, so who who won the fight, Leonard or Hagler? Uh, Quick answer, Leonard or Hagler? Who won? I'd have to say Leonard. I always said Hagler growing up because I was a Hagler guy. Yeah. And if I re I've rewatched that fight a hundred times, I I still I think Leonard won. I hate yeah. admitting it. it. Bothers yeah. me. He Bothers just me. hit him so many times. Ugh. All right. You and Tom Monahan at Central Force have worked together for years. Of course, Tom's yes. part of this interview as well. Explain to us the dynamic between the two of you guys as you see it and why you partnered up with Tom. Wow. You asked so many interesting questions. The uh, rug world is a, a beautiful place to be, but you have different scenarios in the rug world, as you can imagine, on different cleaning techniques, um, how businesses should be run. Uh, chemical technology, um, how business should be represented. If you notice me, I'm always like a lone wolf type of guy because I'm very cautious Mm -hmm. with who I associate myself with. And Tom Monaghan was the type of person that had um, similar core values to me, Mm -hmm. which I like right off the bat, which the way he ran his business, the type of person he was, the type of you know, contacts. You can imagine I would get offered a job a week in that stuff. And I would always turn it down because uh, I was always better by myself. But when I met Tom and, and, you know, in the beginning, you know, we really weren't sure about it, but we said, you know what? Uh, The industry's dying for new things. We were both good with the computers and the internet. There was no live stream classes. Mm -hmm. A few years back, we said, let's take a shot at it. And you know what? We, uh, Again, we rocked it and filled yeah, them Tom's, all up. And Tom's a serious businessman. He's he's another. See, it's one. hard he's to just, find. Whenever a, I partner with someone, I'm always doing all the work. Yeah. So uh, I found guy, and he's Tom's an ex- a, athlete. A big, he doesn't talk about it, but he's uh, for his age, he's very strong and he's an athletic guy. So yeah. 
we also meshed, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I yeah, can't work ethics match women, up. He's, you know what I mean? <laughs> he's smart. He's got great vision. But um, yeah. You know, Listen, you know. I am so blessed to have had you come on here with me. Thank you for doing it. You didn't hesitate sure, buddy. to do it. It was an and, honor. Uh, sooner than later, we got to get together and scare some people together. Yeah, you come to Goshen, I'll, I'll get you some good food, man. <laughs> you know I am from First, New Jersey. Come I'm going to beat you up in my jeans. We have to have a fight. I'm going to put bo- I'm going to put sweatpants on. You and your jeans and a button down. We'll go pay per view. Little MMA. <laughs> Thanks for listening in today, everybody. If you learned something new and liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe for more NC Shop Talk. Do me a favor and help us grow this sucker. Share this show on your social media feeds and with anyone else who'd love to hear it. Thanks for giving us a listen. And until next time, remember to get out there and make it happen.